Come on now. I don't know that there's any more visible manifestation of God's love reaching down to us than what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. You know, we looked up to him in our sin and our brokenness, and he reaches down to us with love and grace. And You know, if you have um, some of these communion to-goes at home, I want to invite you to, to, to partake of this with us. Now, if you don't, it's okay. I want you to just pause for a moment and meditate and think about the forgiveness that God offers us because of what he did for us on the cross. You know, in a very real sense, as our accompaniment plays for just a moment and we, we pray, we partake of these elements, maybe we meditate for a moment, why don't you do this? Why don't you ask God for forgiveness for whatever's going on in your life? And maybe ask Spirit over the next few minutes. Let's do that together as we partake of these elements. All right, if you have a Bible, I want you to get a bite, turn to, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. If you hadn't figured this out by now, you're going to know where to go. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. In Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to pick up starting in verse 14 today as we look at what I'm going to say is Paul's prayer for those believers there in Ephesus. Listen, I understand how challenging this online thing can be. Thankfully, we've got a few folks here from the praise team and different ones who are here to, to preach, so I'm not preaching to just an empty chair. But uh, I can imagine how difficult it may be for some of you to try to engage in worship over a personal device, or maybe you're watching it on a TV. And so I, I, I get how challenging it is. But when we face challenges, we have to rise up to those challenges. we gotta, we got to really focus more. And so I want to encourage you to do that because I'm excited about what God has to say to us today through this passage in Ephesians. Now, maybe you're at home. I want you, if wherever you're watching this, go ahead and stand up. I know this, this may not mean anything. Just stand up wherever you are. Let's, let's stand, number one, just to get the blood flowing. But number two, let's honor um, the reading of God's Word together, starting in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. Paul says, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May God Bless not only the public reading, but the online reading of his word. You may be seated, or you can stand up. You're at your house. I can't really do anything. You can't make you do anything. So do whatever it is that you feel comfortable doing. Now, when we jump right here in this passage in Ephesians, I'm going to have a lot to say, so I want you to listen real close. Paul starts off this passage by saying, when I think of all of this. Now, if you haven't been a part of the last several Sundays, you may not know what he's referring to. But if you go back and you watch some of the other sermons or you just peek back up at the first part of chapter 3, all of this that Paul's thinking about basically is that God has given him special responsibility. He's given him revelation. He's given him grace. He's given him power. He's given him the privilege. He's given him promises. He's given him blessings. He's given him strength, unity, wisdom, faith, and confidence. All of this, Paul says, when I think of all of this, what do I do? I fall to my knees and I pray to God. Listen, when you think about all of those things in your life, all of the things God has given you, all of the things he's blessed you with, all of the promises, do you fall to your knees to pray to God? 
That's what this led Paul to do. He says, I fall to my knees. Now, it's not even literally like this. Now, hey, I want you to try something. This is going to be awkward. If you're in here or you're at home, do this. Go down to your knees right now. All right, so isn't that a little awkward feeling? Because we don't normally take this posture, all right? But now, if you can, I don't want you to hurt yourself. Like, I don't want you to hurt yourself. But the Greek here is not literally to bow your knees. It's literally to do this, to get fully prostrate like this. Now, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But my boys and girls will show them parents how to do it. So the reason that this is significant is because to the Jews, the posture for prayer was to stand erect and to place your hands up. That's why you, you see uh, language like, I lift holy hands, okay? What Paul, when I thing that you've done for me, I literally fall down in humility and I pray to the Father. And I want you to look at what he says here. I pray to the Father who is, and he describes a few things about the Father. He says, first off, the Father is, you know, we know the Father, the Father of Jesus, the Father of everyone, but he's not just the Father. What else does he say? The creator of everything. You know, our songs really hit that. So Paul's source of prayer is the Father. You see, when you pray to God, it's not some distant being. You're talking to your heavenly Father. Now, Maybe you didn't have a good example as an earthly father. You got you to be able to move beyond that and embrace that God is your heavenly father. And he gives good gifts and he loves you. And that's where Paul's source of prayer is to, to his father. But not just his father. He recognizes that he's the creator of everything. Not, not just some things. He's the creator. Back in Genesis, the Bible tells us what? That he spoke this world into existence. Listen, everything in this world is trying to convince us that everything has just evolved and that God did not create this world. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that God created everything, not just on the earth, but in heaven by his own power and by his own will. And so this is who Paul prays to. When you pray, you can pray to your father, the creator of heaven and earth. Now listen to what else he says right here when he says prayers. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. Now, you and I live in a world where we have limited resources. I mean, even if we have a lot of them, they're limited. You know, the most wealthy among us have a limited amount of resources. The earth has a limited amount of resources. People have limited whatever. Well, guess what? Paul prays to God who has unlimited resources. He's not limited by his bank account. He's not limited by sleep energy or any of those things. It's unlimited and it's glorious. Listen, that ought to excite you is when you pray to God, you're not praying to somebody who might be able to or could give it their best effort. You're praying to a God who has unlimited resources and is able to do far and above anything that you dream. That's why we got to pray in faith. See, the, the limiting factor is not God. The limiting factor is our faith. We have to have faith that God can deliver on what he says. And Paul believes that. So he says, we pray to the God who is the creator, our father, who has unlimited resources. And in the next few verses, he basically prays for three things. And this is what we need to hone in on. You really need to write these down and you need to just meditate on them throughout the rest of this week. Paul is given his life 
to promote the gospel. He is in prison in Rome, and he's writing back to some people, so he wants them to really get some significant things. And when he thinks about all God has done, it causes him to be moved emotionally to fall down, prostrate on the ground, and to pray for these believers in Ephesus. And I want us to take special note of what he prays. The first thing that he prays, he says, I pray that you will have, that he, God, will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. You realize the apostle here prays that the believers would, that would be empowered with inner strength through his spirit. That's a prayer we should all pray, not only over ourselves, but for our families, for other people, other believers. Look, don't we all need God to empower us with inner strength through his spirit? You know, when I hear the, the term empowered, you know, it's, it's not of our own accord. It's power from somewhere else. And I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 40, a passage many of you will have remembered once I read it. In chapter 40, starting in verse 29, it says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But listen, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they shall not faint. You see, the prophet tells us what? Is God wants to give us new strength. He wants to empower you and I as believers with his strength, inner strength. A few questions. Whether you're in here today, whether you're watching this live, whatever, or you're watching it recorded, do you have strength? Do you feel God's strength in your life? Or do you feel weak? Do you feel powerless? Do you feel tired? Do you feel exhausted? That's not what God wants for you. He wants you and I to have strength given to us by him. How do we get this inner strength? By doing the things he's told us to do. One of the videos that I, I was watching this week from YouTube was, was this guy who was talking about how you can't have strength and you can't have energy and you can't soar with eagles if, you, if you're out of shape. And it really hit home to me because, you know, he, he makes the statement. He said, I don't see no obese, out of shape eagles soaring. And it really hit home because I'm not always, matter of fact, if we're honest, I'm seldom living my life in a way that would cause me to, to have physical strength by the way I treat my body. But that's just part of it. Sometimes we're tired because we don't get enough sleep. We're tired because we don't eat what we're supposed to eat. We're not exercising. We're not doing. That's Sometimes we, we physically need to follow the scriptures and do some of those things. Some of us don't have mental strength because we're not exercising our mind. We fill our mind with nonsense. All we do is flip through Facebook, social media, and do this instead of what? Reading the word, reading something of value, trying to sharpen the saw, learn some things. Listen, he wants to empower us with his strength, inner strength. Are you soaring? If you're honest, from the kid in here to the oldest person, do you visualize your life as a soaring eagle? Or are you kind of like that quote, it's hard to soar with eagles when you're running with turkeys? You know what I'm saying? It's, and that's so true. I saw a cartoon one time, and, and it was a baby eagle chick, and the eagle chick was put in there in this cartoon with the chickens. And the eagle lived his whole life was a chicken. He never soared like an eagle because he was surrounded by chickens. 
and turkeys. He's thinking like a turkey, acting like a turkey. Let me tell you, you can't soar like an eagle empowered with the strength of God if all you do is hang around turkeys and all you do is act like a turkey. you got to put yourself in the right position. Listen, act like the eagle God created you to be. Quit acting like a turkey. We all want to act like a turkey because it's easy, right? We just wander around nonsense. Eagles are powerful. Eagles rest and live in the strength of God. Third question, do you have stamina? Look what it says there. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Does your life characterized by stamina? Are you a quitter? I mean, literally, when God gives you something to do, do you come out of the gate strong and then just give up because it's hard? Because there's resistance? Because somebody said something? Because I didn't like that? I mean, please, if you want to be empowered in your inner man, as the King James says, you got to have stamina. And that stamina comes through what? Through his Holy Spirit, inner strength. Some of us today, in whatever we're facing, and there's any number of things that this could be, we need to pray for inner strength. Look, I need inner strength in relationships. I need inner strength in how to get better at what I'm doing with my physical body. I need inner strength to help me control frustrations. And you need inner strength, and that's what Paul prays for the believers. And so this week, I've been praying, and I'm going to keep praying for you to have inner strength. Would you pray for me to have inner strength, not in my own power, but what? Through the power of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that helps me a little bit is the old translation says strength in the inner man. And that, that's kind of a term that <clears throat> the Greeks use, your inner man, so this inner strength that you need is in your mind in your will, in your emotions. Do any of us today need to have strength of mind? You know, your mind can help you overcome tremendous things. We see people in history who have accomplished unbelievable things just by the force and the strength of their mind, coupled with the strength of their will. You see, in your mind, you sometimes just need help, strength of thought to get going in the right direction. But then you need strength, inner strength in your will to do what? To follow through. I mean, all of us have things that we know we should do, but we struggle to have the strength of will to do it. You see, as a human being created in the image of God, an image bearer, you and I have been given the strength of will through his Holy Spirit to will us through emotions, resistance, negativity. It's the whole in fear and uncertainty right now because of all the circumstances in the world. And they are many. But guess what? You have to rise above those, not in your own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through inner strength given to you, through your will, your mind. And listen, how many people collapse emotionally? They just fall. Their emotions get the best of them. And they say things and they do things and they don't do things that they don't want to do or should do because they don't have the 
That's what Paul prays for the believers. He prays that they will have inner strength to be able to overcome and master their mind, their will, and their emotions. I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 before he left, talking about how the Spirit's power comes. He says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, which is the Holy Spirit, but you are to stay in the city until, listen to this, I like this analogy right here. He says, until you are clothed with power from on high. So do you realize that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to be like you're going to be clothed with power? See, some of us need to literally put on that power. We need to get dressed every morning in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to function as believers, trying to be victorious, live abundantly, do everything that we're called to do, but we don't have no power. We're like the naked emperor. If you ever heard that story, we're out there trying. We don't have our clothes on. We need to be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is Paul's prayer. The first part of his prayer for the believers is that God would empower them with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. We all need that. I need that. Pray for me. I will pray for you. Now, the second thing that he says right here, he said he kind of prays that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. This is something else that we need to strive for. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life, but we also need to make Christ at home in our hearts. There's an interesting Greek word used here. I think it's katoikine is the Greek word that's used here for make your home. And it's not... um, somebody who comes to visit or a temporary dwelling. It is a permanent dwelling. So what Paul says here is that you need to make Christ a permanent residence of your home, which is your heart. He doesn't need to be a stop-in visitor. He, like, needs to move in. He doesn't need to be coming by for a visit. See, that's what happens to too many people. They want Jesus to be a traveling guest. They want to bring him in their life whenever they may need him when something's going wrong. They may want to have him there on Sunday or they may need him there whenever life doesn't go the the way they want it to. He's not set up for that. He's supposed to be a permanent dwelling place in your heart. Let me ask you this. If you're watching this today, have you allowed Christ to make his home in your heart? Or is he just a passing traveler by? Somebody who stops for a visit. I remember that country song I heard a few years ago. It was Jesus take the wheel. That's really what it means, right? Jesus take the wheel. See, Jesus doesn't come in as a passenger. He comes in and he takes the wheel or he don't get in. He is looking for a dwelling place in our hearts. You know, when I was a young person, one of the phrases that they used to become a Christian was invite Jesus into your heart. And I like that because in a way, that's what it is. You're inviting him to come into your heart. And when you do that, what do you do? You you show the world that you're inviting him into your heart as you confess your sins, as you repent of your sins, and you get baptized. This This is the process of making Christ at home in your heart. Look, if you've never done that, why aren't you doing it? Look, I would make that my first priority as soon as I had the chance. I would, I would contact us or contact someone and say, look, I need to invite Jesus into my heart. I've been, I've been having him kind of in the backyard. See, that's what some people do. Some people got him out there in the corner of the property. 
and they want to be able to call to him if they need him. Or they may let him come in every now and again on Sundays, but he wants to have a place in the house, in your heart, as you do what? You trust in him, and that's faith. Now, there's a word here that, that, that I want to kind of bring up. Um, it's abiding, all right? And that's what, that's what this whole idea of this dwelling, abiding in each other. And in John chapter 15, there's a passage that talks about this, and it says, if you abide in me and I in you, as not bear fruit in and of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, if you want to be connected and you want Christ to be there, you have to abide in him, which is this constant dwelling and connection. Do you connect with God daily, even hourly, every moment of your life? Now, I'm not talking about, did you just, you know, that, I mean, that might be part of it. I'm talking about, do you think about him? Do you involve him in your decision making? You know, when you're talking to your children or your work, do you consider God? Do you, do you make him as, as a part of your life? That's what he wants. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but look, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Look, very literally, Christ wants to make your heart his home as you die to yourself and you allow him to live in you. This is what the picture of baptism is, right? Buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. Now Christ lives in us. Is Christ living in you today? Now, none of us are perfect, and so we're struggling all the time, right? Some of us need to, to really adjust. How do we make Christ more a part of our hearts? by trust and faith in him. So Paul not only prays that the believers would be empowered through the Holy Spirit with inner strength, he prays that Christ would dwell in their hearts and he would make his home there. And the third thing we see right here, he says that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Look, Paul wants the believers at Ephesus. He wants their roots, their foundation, the life source, right? To grow down into God's love so that what? Can keep you strong. You know, we've had, we've had storms around here. Some of you have had storms right by your house. What happens when a tree gives way to the storm usually? It just comes up from the roots, right? The roots maybe weren't deep enough. They weren't strong enough to hold the weight of the tree. Listen, a lot of people's roots aren't strong enough to hold the weight of their life because their roots are in the wrong place. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. I love this. He says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord, right? That's how you trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence so that the people who trust in the Lord and have made him their hope and confidence, look what it says here. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. So these roots are going down deep to make the tree strong. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or by worry, long, worried long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Now this isn't about trees. 
He's using an analogy. He's talking about people. And who are the people he's talking about? He's talking about those who trust in the Lord. So if you really trust in the Lord, you place your hope, your confidence in him, all right? You look to him for inner strength. You make Christ a dwelling place in your heart. Now your roots are going to go down deep into God's love. And I want you to look at some of the things that, it's, that Jeremiah says here that, that are so applicable today. He says what? That such trees, those, not trees, but those people who place their faith and trust in God. Look what it says about them. It says they're not bothered by the heat. So the tree that's, that's connected deep down into the roots and has a source of life and water, that tree isn't bothered by the heat. In your life as a person, are you bothered by the heat? Does the pressure, does the struggle, does the heat of life get you all flustered and all bothered? Listen, if you're constantly bothered and you're constantly worried, guess what? You got to dig deep into God's love because that's not what he wants for you. He wants your roots to go down into his love so that you don't let people get you all twisted up and bothered, that you don't let the pressure of life get you all messed up and bothered, that you don't let the heat and the struggle that's a part of existence and living in this world. Now, it doesn't mean that all goes away, and it doesn't mean that life's going to be rosy. This world has got problems. Jesus told us that. He said sometimes you're going to even have more troubles. But guess what? I never saw Jesus be bothered by the troubles. What bothered him was when people weren't connected to God. And so as you grow your roots deep into God's love, you got to overcome and not be bothered by the heat. Look what else it says right there, not worried by long months drought. You know, for a tree, long months of drought is really dangerous. That's dangerous. You know, and a drought really feeds uncertainty because you don't know when the rain's going to come. How long is it going to last? You think this world right now has got a lot of danger? There's people who are in physical danger for lots of reasons. There's tremendous uncertainty, but look what the Bible says about, and this ain't trees. They're not bothered or worried by this danger. They don't let uncertainty paralyze them. They don't let fear keep them from performing or producing, as we're going to say. They are able to overcome because not in their own strength, but what? Because of the strength and the residence of God in their life and the fact that their roots are deep in God's love. There are people watching this today who are believers in Jesus, but they, they have shallow roots. That's why they're always flustered. That's why they're always bothered. That's why they're always anxious, why they're always worried about what might happen or won't happen. So here's what we got to do when, when we find ourselves in this position. What do we do? We pray. We pray that God is going to do what? Help our roots grow down deep into his love. Now, it doesn't mean we ignore the problems. It certainly doesn't mean that we play ostrich and stick our head in the sand. No, we got we to gotta have inner strength to face them. And sometimes we don't know exactly what we need to do. So we got to have wisdom. And so, but, but we don't need to have uncertainty and fear and we can't be worried or bothered by what the outcome is going to be. We have to be focused and dedicated, but to what? His mission. Now look right here. Those are two things that they can't be. A strong, rooted, grounded person is not bothered by the heat 
by the struggle, the pressure. They're not worried about, um, you know, <clears throat> danger and uncertainty. But look what it says they do. Their leaves stay green. These are healthy. They're healthy. They're productive. They're alive. See, some people, and kind of goes back to a few weeks ago, is the pressure and the heat and the uncertainty and all those things in life just start causing them to do what? Just wither away. Like in the fall when the leaves start doing what? They just start dying. And that's what's happening to people whose roots are not deep enough. They're allowing all of the troubles of this world, and they are many, to suck the life out of them. There is no vibrancy. There's no excitement. There's no energy. Listen, as believers, the Holy Spirit is empowering us to have energy and vitality and excitement to get out there and make a difference in the world. What does he say? To never stop producing fruit. See, that's what abiding in God is. It's producing something, producing fruits of love. We know what all, what are the fruits of the Spirit? You remember them? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, and it goes on and on. See, we're supposed to produce that. But here's the thing. If your roots are stuck somewhere else and you're giving way to the heat and you're allowing the drought and all of that to keep you, guess what? You're, you just you got no energy. You're dead. You're dying. And then guess what? You can't produce. You can't be the light of the world that brings love, joy, peace, patience, and all that into the surroundings like we're supposed to. Our roots have to be grounded if we want to be productive in God's love. Look at 1 John chapter 4. I want you to listen to this. Starting in verse 13. The Bible says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and the Father has sent his the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Listen to this. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see, we got to let the roots of our life, the foundation the life source of our life has got to get down into the love of God. God's love. God is love, the Bible tells us. And when Jesus was here, what did he say the most important commandments were? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to do what? To love others as yourself. You see, the foundation for all that we do, the foundation to be empowered, the foundation for Christ to even be in our heart and for our, our roots to grow deep have to go into God's love. Another place Paul says what? These, th these three things remain, but the greatest is what? Love. In your heart today, have you embraced God's love, God's love for you? You see, some people are dying because the enemy has got them all twisted up. They, they somehow doubt God's love. God couldn't love me because of fill in the blank. God couldn't love me because I did fill in the blank. Or I can't love because somebody else did fill in the blank. Or you got to pause right there. The foundation for all of this is you have to embrace that the God of this universe, the God who created you, your Father, He loves you. He loves you exponentially more than you love yourself. 
He loves you so much that he wouldn't allow you to stay the way that you were. And he doesn't want you to stay the way that you are. In your sin and trespasses, he does what? He makes a way for you and I to come into right relationship with him through his son Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. And so as we embrace what he has done for us on that cross and we give our life to him through our confession and our repentance and our baptism, guess what? Now he's living in us and we can begin to be productive for him. You see, you can be productive in a lot of ways, but you can't be productive for God until you've embraced his love and you engage in a manner to show his love to others. You know, as we close today, I want to invite the praise team to come and they're going to lead us in a song of reflection. Maybe invitation today. Do you need inner strength? The source of inner strength in your life. Maybe you're battling over and over and over and over some of the same old things. Why don't you pray for God to empower you with his spirit, to give you the inner strength to face those challenges head on? Maybe you need to really consider today inviting Jesus Christ into your heart. Maybe, maybe it's time to let him come in from the yard. Maybe you need to just quit inviting him over on Easter and Thanksgiving and holidays, but you need to say, look, I want to make you a permanent spot here in my life, God. Maybe you've done some of that, but you're still living in a shallow way. You're still letting all the problems, all the pressures, all the things get the best of you. And so you need to commit today. Maybe you need to pray where you are. Pray, meditate during this song to help you drive your deep roots into God's love. Whatever it is you need to do, I pray that you would surrender to it. You see, there's a temptation whenever God speaks to us to just pause. Because if we can let the moment pass and we can let it get by, we don't have to make changes. But if you'll commit right now to surrender whatever it is that's holding you back, I promise you this, that'll be the first step in the Spirit's work to help you become all that God wants you to be.